have run over this a few times, and it's taken me three hours every time. So I hope you brought a snack and a drink. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding about it taking a long time. But I have a lot to say. I'm just so pumped about what we're talking about tonight. I love that we're doing this discipleship series all throughout the whole year, every month, adding a notch onto our belt of what we're learning and how we're growing. Um, And with the limited time we have, I feel like there's so, so much to say. But I still think I just could not come up here. I could not be in front of you and not take the moment to just admonish our pastors and to thank them because there's just not enough words to say. There's not enough time to give to just thank you both for living the lives that you live and creating this place and building leadership under you. I've never seen anything like it. And um, I've said this before, and I will say it again, I'm sure many times, but when we were looking, where do we go, what do we do, we just want to be planted somewhere, what do we do, it felt like you were walking downstairs, and your body naturally, when you go downstairs, is just very tense, because your body knows that it's unstable, it knows that it's there's a still another step coming. There's that mid-air step that your foot takes, and your whole body, without even meaning to, it just tenses up. But when you hit that ground, you don't even have to try. Your body just relaxes because it's on solid ground. It's found that foundational footing. And that is what Harvest has been for us. That is what our pastors have done for Michael and I. And it's just been absolutely wonderful to just be able to breathe and be ourselves and have a great foundation here. So we're just beyond blessed. We love you, pastors. So I grew up in Missouri, and I am a big sports fan. We had uh, sports all growing up. Michael had sports in his family, so we are sports people. And um, my sister had a coach, and he would, he'd squat down, and he'd yell at the girls, and he'd say, be athletic, be athletic. And my dad would just kind of scratch his head, and he would say, what does that even mean? That's like, be Chinese. You you can't just be athletic. What what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? When someone yells at you to be athletic, what do you do? I mean, I don't know what that means. And his point was that a good coach needs to give some practical instruction. You can't just yell, be athletic. You know, how about bend your knees, keep your eye on the ball, elbows in, you know, get loads. We need something that anyone who hears it can react and can do. And that's really good coaching. And that's why it's so important that we have pastors. Because once you're in the body of Christ, if all you hear is, read the Bible, read the Bible, it's very important, read the Bible, read the Bible. It's like, oh, what does that even mean? Where do I start? What do I do? And so our section tonight of the discipleship series is going to be focusing on how to study the word. How to read the Bible and how to understand what you're reading. And so I am so pumped about this because just in studying it, I have just been so moved. I've been so moved to action. I've been moved emotionally because the word is alive and the word is a person and it's so exciting. And I, my hope and my prayer, what I believe, what I've prayed over you watching online and here in the house is that after tonight, if you have ever felt intimidated or confused by the Bible, that you no longer will. We're going to break that off. We're going to have tools. We're going to be equipped. 
And we are going to no longer feel that way when we think about the word of God. We are going to be in love with it and excited about it. And we're going to understand it better. So the word discipleship is kind of how we started this whole series off this year. And Derek led us off. There are, uh, he and Meredith are our discipleship directors. And so uh, I want to use that definition again tonight as we get started. If you're taking notes, which it's always good to take notes, whether you're here or you're watching, um, I encourage you to do that. But our definition that we have given is the process of living a life in devotion to Jesus. I'm going to say it again, disciple or discipleship. The process, it's not something done like that. The process of living a life in devotion to Jesus. Not in devotion to a religion or a church, but in devotion to Jesus. And I want to present to you tonight that to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of the word. That's what I want to present to you tonight. I hope by the end that you will concur with me. That to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of the word. We cannot separate the two. You can't be all, I love Jesus. He's, he's the man. He's my homeboy. And I don't, I don't pay attention to the word. I don't need the word. Um, it just doesn't work. And so if you'll look with me in the book of John, you could read the entire first chapter of John. And uh, this point would really be seen. We're not going to do that because we don't have the time. But John says this so beautifully in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, capital W, was with God, and the Word, capital W, was God. The Word itself has always been. The Word is not this binding and paper that has the Holy Bible uh, printed on the outside of it. That's not just the word. The word has always been. God's word has always been. Just because he used men to compile it and put it in something that we can have today doesn't mean that it's just paper. It's always been. And when you realize that, it can really change how you think about diving into this word. The whole first chapter of John talks beautifully about how Jesus and the word are one. How Jesus came to show us exactly what God's word looks like in person. And I thought of this story that I heard. And there was a man and a wife and she would go to church and he wouldn't go. And he said that what was holding him up was I just don't understand how a God can send his son to be a human and then let him die. It didn't make sense to him that a God, a true God, would do that. Why would he ever give up being a God? Just didn't make sense. He couldn't compute that. And so when his wife was at church one day, this bird comes to the window and flies into the window. And he's, he comes up to the window and he sees and it falls. And he's like, oh, I hope it's okay. And it got up and it flew away. And then, boom, flies back into the window. And he's like standing in front of the window. No, this is not this is not air, this is a window, don't do that anymore. And he just kept doing it. He kept flying into the window. And so when his wife got home, he tells her, and he says, man, this bird just kept flying into the window, and it knocked itself out. It did it so many times. And she said, well, it didn't see you, it didn't, you know, you didn't try to help it. And he said, well, I tried, but it couldn't understand me. And she said, wouldn't it have been nice if you were a bird, and then you could have told it what to do, and it could have understood you? And he's like, well, yeah, I guess that would have worked. And she said, well, that's exactly what God did. God became a human so that he could relate and talk to humans, so he could show himself human to human, go through everything that humans go through. 
and then sacrifice himself on behalf of humans. And then now we know that we can do it because he did it for us as a human. And I'm assuming that he went to church after that. I do not know. But that would convince me. So in uh, that same chapter of John, verse 14, like I said, you could read the whole chapter, but we're just going to skip ahead to verse 14. And the word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that phrase, the word became flesh. The word became flesh, was put inside of Mary, and given the name Jesus. But that's not when Jesus first existed. The word has always been. So again... To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of the word. All right, so why study the Bible? That reason we just gave is the chief reason. Because it's our way to get to know Jesus. Because God himself has asked us to do that. And if we've made him the Lord of our life, then we will do what he has asked. We won't do what is convenient. We won't do what we want anymore. We, we made him Lord. We've been talking about that with our salt young adults did we make him Lord or not? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, did I make him Lord or not? Did I, am I just a believer or am I a disciple? Am I doing everything he's asked me to do the way he asked me to do it? And the reason that I specifically want to tackle tonight, that it's so important for us to get in our word, is because it's the only way to grow. It is the only way to grow spiritually. You cannot do it aside from the word of God. And you might say, well, I just prefer to worship. I'd rather not get in the word. I I just love worship. I throw it on. It's easy to do. You know, I just feel closer to God. I feel like my faith grows. I just, I prefer that. And I would say to you that I guarantee you 100% that the songs that you're listening to are all scripture. (laughs) They're probably just chock full of scripture that's been put to music. There's nothing magical about music that builds your faith. There's nothing magical about a beautiful voice that uh, does anything on the inside of you to connect you to God. But when scriptures are, or, uh, songs are full of scripture the way that ours are here, that's where that's coming from. So we do need the word if we're going to grow. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16. This is what... The scripture will do when you get into it. And tell me if this sounds like growing. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, which is learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately. Does that sound like growing? Is that spiritually growing when you're being trained, when you're being convicted of the wrong things, when you're being instructed in the right things? That's growing. That's how we do that. And the Bible says right here that the word is good for that, that it comes straight from God, and it's good to do that. And that's what it will do in your life. Hebrews chapter 5, this was a revelation for me. (laughs) In, In Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 11. And this, this scripture is written um, by somebody. They had just come and spent a lot of time with these people. They had shared the gospel of Jesus. They left, and then they come back, and they're trying to explain to them about how Jesus is the new high priest, and we don't need men to do that for us anymore. 
And we're going to pick up in verse 14, or uh, verse 11, I'm sorry. And listen to this. Concerning this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you've had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you. Again, the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning, and you have come to be continually in need of milk. Everybody say milk. Not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, everyone say milk, is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. Everybody say infant. Who drinks milk? Babies. Infants. I see some kids raising their hand. That is the cutest thing ever. They're like, we do. We're babies. That's great. Very good. So infants are who drink milk. So we're gonna, I want to put this together for you and paint this picture for you. Milk is for infants because that's all they can digest. That's all their digestive system can handle. That's why it's referred to as the elementary truths of the Bible, the basics that we are introduced to at the beginning, right? But something else interesting about milk is that somebody else has to digest it first, and then it gets passed on to the infant, right? This type of milk that, that babies drink isn't just you go buy it. It's something someone else has chewed, they've digested, they've broken it down, and they've given it. Just like the author here said, we came before. We taught this to you. And now you've had it on your own for a while, and we expect you to have matured, but you have not. The maturing was supposed to happen when they were on their own. The maturing was not supposed to happen with somebody spoon-feeding them. The maturing was supposed to happen on their own. So we're going to pick up verse 14. Now let's find out what solid food is. But solid food is for the spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by practice. Everybody say practice. Who are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and evil. The word of God is the ultimate truth. It will tell you what is good and evil. You look around, and today this is good, tomorrow it was bad. This way of doing things is okay, oh, never mind, no, it's not. This lifestyle is okay, this one's not, never mind. It, there is no compass. The word of God is the compass, and when you are mature in the word, you will be able to distinguish good and evil. And you will have learned that because you have trained yourself. So our, our definition of milk is the elementary truths that are digested by someone else and then taught to us. And we are to desire the, the sincere milk of the word. It's not a bad thing to receive milk. We need the milk. Everybody needs milk. And the elementary truths, we've got to get that down. Absolutely. But we have to then also spiritually mature and get to that solid food. We need a cheeseburger. We need to say, don't give me that milk all the time. But when, it, when it's coming from someone else, it's always milk. It doesn't matter how awesome the revelation, if it's not you chewing it up, it's still milk. And that was new to me. That thought was like, wow. So let's take a Sunday. So pastor, pastor's eating me all week. We know our pastor. He's eating me. He's working out. He's walking his dog. 
That's what he does. He walks, talking to his neighbors, inviting them to church. And he's eating meat. And then he comes on Sunday, and he has been chewing on it. He's been digesting it. And he then presents it all broken down for us, laid out. And that's why we sit there and go, oh, that's so good. Oh, you see Nicole Witz it. Oh, 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 so good. Because milk is good. The milk is good. Because it's been digested and broken down and laid out for us. And he puts all the different scriptures on the same topic together. And it's good milk. But if all we do is every week we come and we, like little babies, we're drinking our milk every week, then we can't be spiritually mature. But if we're taking what he's talking about or she's talking about, and we're taking our time in the Word throughout the week, then whenever we come on Sunday, something he says, that's when those moments happen. Because you've got the word in you, and the Holy Spirit's able to use that meat that's in you, and take that milk that's coming in, and the Holy Spirit's able to light on it. That's how it was designed to be. That's why we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together, because we're to bring our supply. We're to pull on our pastor on Sunday. We're to pull on that word. And he's presenting the milk, and we're receiving it, and it's growing. And then through the week, we are digesting our own solid food. Okay? All right, so I want to give you some very practical tips because none of this be athletic stuff. Okay? We're not going to leave, and you're all ready to read the Bible. We know it's important. We know it's a person. It's Jesus. We know it's our responsibility. We've made him our Lord, and we're all in. And then just say, read the Bible, and you leave, and you get home, and you look at this book about this big, or you open your app, that's, and you think, okay, well, what do I do? So we are going to get away from the be athletic, and we're going to give you some bend your knees, some keep your elbows in, eye on the ball, kind of things, okay? All right, I did not number these, so I'm going to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <gasps> seven. That's a good number, isn't it? That's what I hear. That's what I hear being around church. Seven is a good number. Okay, so we're going to start with number one. Study the scriptures that pastor presents on Sunday. This is a great place to start. You look at that big old book and you think, "Woo! I don't know if I can do this. Listen on Sundays if you're watching us online. If you're here in the house, be present during the sermon. And then when you go back that week, watch it again. Listen to it again. Go back and look at your notes. If you didn't take notes the first time, take notes again. And write down the scriptures and then turn to them for yourself. This is a great place to start because you're, a lot of times our pastors go on a series anyway. So you're just kind of keeping in step with what, what our pastor has for our whole body. So read a little before, read a little bit after, get the context for what he, he presented. He or she is only up here for a few minutes on Sundays and Wednesdays. So take it back, get the context, really dive into it and chew it up for yourself, okay? That's a great, great way to do it. It's almost like when you're in school and you have a teacher and while you're there, the teacher's right there and the teacher's telling you everything and then you have your homework and you're referencing what they told you but you still have to go back and do it on your own. So that's a great, great tip for you. Another one, number two, is to read only as much as you can retain. Nobody is going to come give you a gold star 
because you read a whole book of the Bible today, okay? I think this reading your Bible in a year thing is awesome, but you still don't get a trophy for it. So if the Lord hasn't called you to do it, then don't stress out about it. Read as much as you can retain. Pastor loves to suggest a chapter a day. That's an awesome place to start. Proverbs has 31 chapters. It's a great place to do every day, do a proverb, and then maybe uh, couple it with something or, or whatever else. But it is not a religion. We were not up here praising a religion. A religion did not set you free. A religion is not getting you out of eternal hell. It is a person, and this is time that we are spending. And I don't know a single human that doesn't have a conversation with someone else where the main point is just hear me. Just understand it. It's not just check it off. I hate that. Michael will tell you. It is not my favorite thing for you to be looking at something else while I'm talking to you. It is just not my favorite thing. But he may be able to very well do it, but it's just not my favorite. And so the word of God is alive. It is Jesus talking to us. It is the Holy Spirit revealing things to us. So when we are listening, it's more about did you hear it than how much of it have you consumed, okay? Number three, take notes. This is awesome to do on Sundays and Wednesdays and when you're listening to podcasts and all those things, but it's also great to take notes when you're reading the Bible. If you have, my, I have a Bible that has a whole section on the side of it for me to take notes right in my Bible. But the cool thing about taking notes is that literally, scientifically, this is proven, that when you read, so let's say... Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, and then I come over here, and I want to write, um, he loved the world, not just Christians, he loved the world. My mind had to read it the first time, and then my mind has to tell my hand to write it a second time. So you are doubling your intake of the word just like that whenever you take notes. So it's a great tip. If some of you are note takers type personalities, I would suggest that. Something else you can do, number four, is to set yourself up to succeed in the natural. I see my girl Faith over here. Faith has let me know that she leaves the top light on when she has to read at night. Because if I'm, I'm not a prophet, I don't claim to be, but I can promise you, if you choose to pull your Bible out at 11.30 at night and lay down on your bed, and open your phone to second blah, 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 you're going to fall asleep. Okay? I'm not a prophet, but I promise you it's going to happen. So Faith told our harvest group that what she does is she leaves the big top light on because she's a student, she's working, so night is the best time for her to study. But she leaves that big top light on, and she sits up, she doesn't lay down, and that way she's setting herself up to succeed in the natural. Okay, so if you're a morning person, if you're a late night owl, if you have kids, you gotta, we got to work around those things and find when is good for you. If you need to stand up when you read, if you need to walk, if you need to read out loud, just things that are going to help you. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, this is making reading the Bible sound like it's a real chore. It just sounds really, really tough. Well, guess what? He is Lord. And this is the instruction that he has given. And I can't think of a single thing in my life that is worth having, that is healthy for me, that didn't take some practice before I got used to doing it. Has anybody married? Anybody? 
Is it just easy? Take zero practice? It's work every day. I mean, it's, it's easy. It's like not, it doesn't even feel like work. It's just, no, I'm just kidding. No, it is. It's wonderful, but it takes work. You might not always feel like being a good wife. You might not always feel like being a good employee. You definitely don't always feel like going to the gym. You don't feel, unless you're a pastor, you don't feel like saying no to a donut. <laughs> We're trying to be like our pastor, but I'm not there yet because I don't feel like doing that, okay? But we, we have to train ourselves. That is what it said. Hebrews 5 Verse 14, we have to train ourselves and practice this. So don't be intimidated thinking, wow, if we have to give tips on how to do this, it must be just so boring. It must be just, no, it's just like anything else. Once you get in it, it starts then calling you. It starts drawing you in. You start getting excited to do it. It gets easier. It's a lot easier to work out once you're in shape. Man, when you're not having to walk like this afterwards, it's just a lot easier. So we get, we get into this, and you're not going to have to do these things forever. But we've got to get spiritually mature. If 2020 taught us anything, it is that you and your Bible better be enough. If you don't think that you and your Bible are enough, you are missing it. If you don't think, if you don't know and believe that if all you had was you're locked in your house with your Bible, that you have everything that you need, that you have the Jesus uh, that saved the world, that you have the God of the universe, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the very creator right there in your fingertips, you have everything you need. And it taught us that, and that's why our vision for this year is growing together, serving better. The way that that came about was we thought, man, if something like that ever happens again, and we are still in the midst of it, we better be spiritually mature. We can't have a bunch of babies that, that need their milk, and when they can't have it the way they're used to, they fall off. we got to be spiritually mature. we got to know how to get that solid food on our own. So set yourself up to succeed, and don't be afraid if that looks kind of funny at the beginning. Another great tip, I think it's number five, is spend most of your time reading the epistles. Epistles is sounds like a very fancy word. It just means the letters. Literally, epistles means letters. And those epistles are from Romans to Jude in the New Testament. So the Bible has two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's the Gospels. And then you go a little bit further and you'll start at Romans through the book of Jude, if you're taking notes. Those are the epistles. Those are letters. And what's awesome is just like we all start off as babies... The church back then all started off as babies. So as soon as someone came to their town and told them, hey, Jesus is alive. You can have him on the inside. You don't need a high priest anymore. He's forgiven your sins. You can go to heaven. And they were all, woohoo! And then that person left. And they went out and they lived their life. And they said, but what about this? And is this okay? And wait, do we still do that? And does this count? And I don't know how to raise my kids. And I don't know how to be a spouse. And I don't know how to be a slave owner. And I don't know how to be a... I mean all of these questions and then they would write back in these letters and these letters would explain the answers to how to live life so when you read through the epistles you're going to see a lot of the same stuff we're dealing with today and a lot of very clear answers on how to deal with it so that's a great place to start um, if you're, especially if you're new to reading the bible 
Number six, use other tools to help you understand. I would recommend BibleHub.com. It's all one word, BibleHub, or BibleGateway.com, all one word. These are wonderful websites. You can type in your, uh, a phrase, you can type in a verse or um, a word, and it will show you where it's found all throughout the Bible. You can click on different translations. You can read all the translations next to each other. And obviously, you guys know uh, by now, there are different translations of the Bible. So do not be scared of the King James Version. It is not the only one out there. So do what you need to do, getting other tools around you. Find a mentor. Join a harvest group. Harvest groups are studying the word, and you're getting to hear other people's take on things and questions, and you find out you're not the only one that can have questions. It's a great, great way to connect, and it's a tool to help us study the Bible. Have a mentor. Ask somebody. Talk to someone you trust uh, to refer you for a good devotional that maybe isn't just only the word but has the word with someone's, you know, explanation of some things. Uh, Don't be afraid to bring in other tools. Now, number seven is actually number one because this, if nothing else, that you take home from today, I would love for you to remember this. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the scripture to you. Have you ever heard somebody, probably our own pastor or someone you've listened to, and they share a scripture and explain it, and you think, oh, wow, that is so good. And then the very next thought is, I would never have gotten that from that. I don't know how they got that from that because I would never have put that together. I don't know the Bible well enough or I, don't, I must not be spiritual enough. But the Holy Spirit is here to help you. And you can stand up while you read and and you can look at what pastor says on Sunday and you can uh, spend most of your time in the epistles. But if you don't ask the Holy Spirit for help and understanding, oh man, you're making it too hard. We're making it too hard. We're missing out on the coach. We're missing out on the coach that's over there telling us all the things that we need to do. And I want us to think, as we close, I want us to think and, and put a picture in your mind of maybe one of the disciples. We can take John because we talked about John chapter 1. John experienced Jesus in the flesh. He experienced the word becoming flesh, walked with him, listened to him, spent intimate time with him. And then Jesus breathed on him before he left gave him a spirit. He was saved. Then when Jesus went to heaven, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he puts pen to paper by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And then we are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we go 2,000 years later and we look at the very same scripture that was written by the Holy Spirit that is also in us. And we're not going to ask him for help understanding it? It's our spirit receiving from his spirit. It's all the same spirit. It's the same spirit that was in Jesus. It's the same spirit that was in John. It's the same spirit that wrote all of the words for us. And it's the same spirit that's in you that wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. We have to lean on him. It's his whole job. It's his whole reason why he exists is to reveal Jesus to you. It's to reveal Jesus to you. So let's lean on him. Let's pull on him for what he's meant to do. Ask him. 
ask him for help. What pastor prays all the time that I love is he says, I bind the spirit of confusion. I meant to say it tonight and I'm realizing I didn't. I bind the spirit of confusion in Jesus' name. But pastor says that all the time and I love it. So when you go to spend time, when you decide you're ready to eat some solid food, before you do, you say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that I am receiving revelation knowledge that I have the mind of Christ. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'll reveal to me what I need to know today from the word. And I bind the spirit of confusion. I take blinders off and I will see what I need to see today. And then you do it. And you see if it's not different. It's extremely important. It's the most important thing out of everything that we've talked about tonight. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that the word is alive, it's living, it's active, it's effective. That's why you can read the same portion of scripture over and over and over and over and it'll still do something for you because it's alive. That's why this book will never go out of style. This book will never not be relevant. This book will never not apply because it's alive, because it is the capital W, the word. And I am learning in doing this, just in, in this one assignment to do the discipleship series, I am learning to love the word. Just love it because it's not a book. I don't love to read. I don't, I don't love to read, but I love Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of the Word. We will be a church who are disciples of the Word. We will be a church who is growing spiritually. We will be a church of people who eat their own solid food and who come and pull on their pastors for that pure milk of the Word. That's who we will be. 2021. We are growing together. We are serving better in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for sending the word, for putting flesh on the word and letting us see what does it talk like? How does it sound? What does it look like? How does it act? I thank you for inspiring men and women of God to write it down for us. And I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is alive and active today in the word and in us. And that together we are a powerful force for your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for, for strength coming into every believer who's listening right now. That unction to want to get in the word. That inspiration to want to get in the word, God. And I rebuke the spirit of confusion. In Jesus' name, amen.